0: Welcome to The Recovery Mile, a podcast where we discuss all things substance use and mental health from a professional, practical, and personal perspective. My name is Tommy Morris. I'm the Director of Business Development here at 12 Oaks Recovery, and as always, I am joined by Dixie Graw, Director of Clinical Services at 12 Oaks Recovery.
1: Welcome, everybody. I'm really excited um, on this new adventure we are kind of embarking on. This is our first podcast that we are doing, and I'm very excited to have everybody out there listening with us.
0: And so, for this first episode, we want to discuss defining terms and addressing stigmas. So, with that in mind, Dixie, tell us exactly what we're unpacking here today.
1: So, terms, stigmas. What does what does each of those mean in both substance use and mental disorders? Because not everybody knows the differences in those, and everybody wants to know. Those are the most frequently asked questions I get whenever I'm explaining this stuff. Everybody wants to know, what does this mean? What are my diagnoses? How do I deal? How do I treat?
0: Yes. So what do we mean when we talk about substance use disorder, right? Like that's the DSM-5 terminology, substance use disorder. So what do we mean when we say that or when someone hears that? What does that mean to maybe us? As healthcare professionals, what does it mean to somebody who's not in this industry?
1: So we could do this a couple different ways. So number one, we do an assessment. So we want to talk to a person, right? And figure out how much they're using. A lot of times they're not always telling the truth because there's shame involved. Nobody wants to say, hey, I'm drinking this much a day or they minimize it, right? Right say half of what it was before. So we have criteria or we have these questions that we are kind of checking the boxes on and it meets all of these different levels, okay? So there's three different levels. There's the lower level or the mild where there's only a couple of things that kind of hit the mark. And then there's the moderate where there's, you know, four to five and then there's the severe and it's the six plus, six out of the 11. So there's 11 total. And so as we're meeting with this person and we're talking to them about their day, And about their week or their month or year or even their year, you know, um, family relationships, jobs, we're marking off these boxes. And so that's how we create this diagnosis of substance use disorder severe. So we make it more specific, whatever drug they're using, and then it meets. And they can have more than one. Let's just say they drink more and then they use a stimulant less. You can have one severe, one mild, and they'll both be in there. And we treat it that way.
0: So this breakdown of mild, moderate, severe, what is the importance of that? What is the importance of understanding kind of where someone falls within those those categories or those divisions?
1: So a lot of times it matters in lines of how they will be detoxed, how they will be treated, relapse prevention plans, things that they're doing to proper, you know, maybe be self medicating okay, underlying disorders, they might be self-medicating because sometimes someone has something else going on. They're going to go to a specific drug to help deal with that over another one. And we're going to know those things. We're going to be kind of keeping out red flags for that stuff. So if they have ADHD underlying, they might be looking for a stimulant off the street.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So.
0: So what are, When we're looking at the Mm DSM-5, which is the standard, you know, for for what we use, you know, in our industry uh, for diagnoses, but what are some of the 11 criteria and kind of what does that look like in everyday life, you know?
1: Yeah. So this is kind of what differentiates someone who we're going to go to drinking because it's very, it's a legal drug. It's something is very socially acceptable. From someone who just drinks recreationally to someone who is moving to physically dependent, someone who is moving towards addiction, okay? So we're looking at things like a lot of time is spent trying to obtain it or or get the money to buy it or something like that. Say you don't have any money and you're borrowing money to go drink or you're digging in your couch cushions for change to go drink. That's a problem, Okay, so we're going to mark that box off. Okay, so tolerance is another one. Cravings are another one. Saying I want a drink is one thing, but physically needing one and wanting one is a very, very big difference. So we're going to mark that one off. And say, for example, you tell a loved one, okay, I'm going to go out for X amount, but you end up drinking quadruple that and not coming home for two days. Very big difference there, isn't there?
0: Right. When I say <laughs> so. uh, I'm, a, I'm a social drinker and then I'm just really, really social. Right. <laughs> like I'm the, so uh, friendly. I,
1: I, all the time. Right. Another one is trying to quit on your own. I hear that one a lot. You know, a lot of people, whenever they're getting to the point where they might be thinking about treatment or trying to moderate how much they're drinking, oh no, I'm drinking too much. Red light indicator we're marking some stuff off here and you might still be in the mild range two to three of these things but red flag hello i need to be thinking about you know what's going on here and that and that's not just with alcohol that's with anything else
0: so given alcohol as an example you talked about the idea of of that kind of that cliche of i need a drink you know Mm -hmm. you'll hear a lot of people at the end of the day stressful day at work and Mm -hmm. they'll they'll kind of say that kind of Tongue in cheek maybe Or just kind of off the Mm -hmm. cuff Oh man I need a drink I need Mm -hmm. to unwind But there's a difference Between kind of that saying Of I need a drink And the person goes home And maybe has one drink And Mm -hmm. whatever And goes to bed Versus the person When they say I need a drink They are literally Sweating and shaking Mm -hmm. And their body Needs a drink To stabilize Yes So that's where We would see Maybe a difference Between mild and severe Mm -hmm. Right. That's a, a huge leap there. It's a but it's
1: huge leap. They're but, thirsty. Yeah. When they say they're thirsty, it's not for water. <laughs>
0: right. Right.
1: It's, <laughs> it's not for water. Their their body is literally not functioning without it. And and that's not just with alcohol. That's with other things as well. That's where the withdrawal symptoms come in, which is also DSM criteria. You're not hungover. You know, um, this is physical tremors that will not stop until you ingest something. This is the symptoms will not go away until you ingest something. It's feeding those receptors. So that's, those are key differences and someone who goes out has too much or is even a recreational user of any kind versus that more moderate severe range, you know, weaning on the severe where you don't function without it or that is how you function.
0: Yeah, and there are things to look out for and there are assessments that can be done that mm-hmm. can help. So for those who, who may be struggling themselves or mm-hmm. a family member who thinks that uh, one of their loved ones uh, or a friend thinks that a loved one is struggling with this, there are assessments out there and what we can do is is we can tag a couple on our show notes mm-hmm. uh, just for people to go on and look at and, and kind of have a brief assessment and we'll put some numbers that they can call if they need you know, an in-person assessment or an over-the-phone assessment. And we will, in in future episodes, we will go into these things uh, more detailed into specific substances, um, you know, withdrawals, triggers, things of that nature. But this gives us a good overview of of kind of what to look for and, and what it looks like when we're talking about this term and the criteria that falls under this technical terminology. Right. So prior... So prior to the DSM-5 coming out with this official terminology of substance use disorder, that wasn't the word that was originally used or the Mm -hmm. terminology that was originally used. Um, There were a lot of other words that kind of floated out there. And and in all honesty, I don't know that the DSM-5 is on someone's weekly reading list or annual reading Here. list, right? Like it's, it's not a New York Times bestseller mm. from what I understand. It should, be. it should be. I'm just kidding. But it's not, it's probably not leisurely reading for, you know, the average person out there. Mm-hmm. You know, most people may not know the technical term of substance use disorder, mm-hmm. but other terminology that's kind of been around longer, you know, they, they may associate with, you know, and these are terms like substance use or substance abuse, right? Mm -hmm. Or addiction or dependence, Mm -hmm. um, even binge using. So so when we look at, at kind of what terminology other people may use, are there differences, you know, even though it's all kind of now lumped under substance use disorder and then we know these different criteria and the different levels, if we were talking to someone and they were talking about one of these other terms, are there differences when we think about substance use versus abuse Versus, say, addiction.
1: So you can actually think of it like substance use as a whole. Technically, it's poison. <laughs> so I don't know if I just randomly go drink some poison for fun. Um, so you have to think of it in the, in the context of what are you using it for? Are you like abusing some situation? All right. I mean, let's use caffeine and, and coffee. That's one of my favorites in the DSM. Caffeine intoxication. It's a thing. It's a real thing. So can you have withdrawal symptoms from it? Yes. Most definitely. Can you abuse caffeine? Yes. Okay. Do you have, um, you know, significant issues from it? Yes. Do you, you know, go on a wild search for caffeine? Yes. All of these things still apply. Am I addicted to caffeine? Absolutely. Yes.
0: Think about this, right? (laughs) So with the alcoholic who at the end of the day may say, I need a drink. Mm-hmm. How many times do you hear somebody people say I can't start my day until Without, I have my until coffee. I have my <laughs> coffee?
1: And so these these things, I use that all the time in trying to describe something as simple as coffee. I do say simple, you know, and and literally it is one of those things. Some people depend on coffee to get through the day, and yes. so I'm physically dependent on it. And and some people use coffee more we're still back on coffee because it's something that you could buy from the grocery store or the tom thumb or whatever store you live nearby and then you know binge using it say okay i have to stay up tonight to write this presentation that's binge use yeah you know you're you know you're drinking soda you're drinking mountain dew you're drinking red bull Monster's, whatever so i just completely flipped from something you would identify as a typical stigmatic drug or substance to something everybody has put the coffee on. We're going to hammer this out. And here we hit every single word that you just used.
0: Because the issue really is, is addressing the root, right? The, the, The root issue is the dependence or the addiction, because as we'll discuss in a future you know, uh, episode regarding cross addictions, the, the addictive nature is what needs to be dealt with. The, exactly. That, that nature of, of becoming dependent on whether it's, you know, a, an illicit drug mm-hmm. or alcohol or if it's coffee mm-hmm. or nicotine, even. Nicotine, right? nicotine, um, so sugar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sugar is a big one, you Mm -hmm. know, so there are a lot of things that we can become dependent upon where we need them, but as we'll discuss here in a few minutes, the stigmas, if a 15 year old's walking down the street and has a Starbucks, you're not going to think anything If a 15 year old's walking down the street with a Miller Lite in their hand. And a cigarette. Right, and a cigarette, right, Right. you're going to... Probably say something, or you're at least going to have a different judgment. You're
1: going to think twice. You're right. going to be what?
0: There's an issue there, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So there definitely stigmas, but really the root of it goes back to that addiction or that dependency upon something. So I love that you brought ca- coffee up as as something that's kind of a safe topic, but it, 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 it is, relates. It's it totally so, it relates, totally doesn't relates. it? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Definitely. Because the the <laughs> the reality is. We're back to stigmas, okay? So, oh, you know, we as people want to separate ourselves in some form or fashion from something that is deemed as taboo. Right. Alcohol is more acceptable. We see it on TV all the time, but yet many, many people, if not uh, millions, however many millions struggle with with alcohol in some form or fashion, okay? And so just bringing something as relatable as coffee up and, and looking at that. Really, kind of levels the playing field a little bit, you know. And then I hear, well, I'm you can't get you can't get a DUI from drinking coffee, right? But you can definitely crash your car from being too tired. Yes, you know. So it still relates because here you are trying to drink so much coffee to stay awake, and it's dangerous. Well, so I think you when you are, go
0: back to the criteria, right, and you talk about how does it impact your life, if your need, mm-hmm. quote unquote, need right? for coffee starts to impact mm-hmm. your focus, right? your motivation, your money,
1: right. right? I know you're right.
0: Right. All of these things, mm-hmm. then we're, we really are right back into the, the same criteria.
1: Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, so I
0: think the important thing really, when we, when we think about coffee leveling off a lot of these terminologies and, and stigmas and, and words that are used, we go back to this mild, moderate and severe. So mm-hmm. regardless of, of whether you're hearing the word substance use or abuse or addiction you may not know just looking at the surface right. you may re- you may not really know where a person falls into what you're trying to figure out you're, you're trying right. to label it so you can better understand it right but without a proper assessment you know you're not going to look at the surface and know whether someone is just kind of what, what we would say maybe recreationally or occasionally using something right. or whether they're abusing something like overtaking a prescription medication mm-hmm. Or whether they're literally dependent upon it to where right. there are mental and physical, you know, withdrawals or effects from not having that thing, right. similar to <laughs> caffeine headaches, caffeine, right? caffeine
1: headaches, <laughs> uh, irritability, exactly. And so this goes back to, you know, if we're dealing with more significant substances here, mental health professionals are the answer, and and this is where it comes from bridging the gap of the stigma because. You know, humans are really bad at asking for help, and there are specific assessments that can be done. Some are even, you know, self-assessments going, okay, but you got to be careful about that too because we naturally want to minimize how much we're drinking. We want to make it okay, right? We want to make it, oh, no, it's not so bad. See, Um, that's human nature, and we have to be careful about that. And so having just a professional, you know, just sit through, a couple of these assessments and go, okay, so we can do this outpatient. You're more significant. You need detox. A lot of that's scary. And then it's breaking down. What does that mean? And, and I hear it all the time. Well, once I got here, never been to treatment before it opened my eyes. And I'm not alone. You are not alone. I promise you that. And, and not just with alcohol, with other things, pain, uh, pain medications you mentioned overtaking prescriptions, anxiety medications, um, anything, overtaking cold medications. Right. Other, Right. I see it all the time. Well, I don't feel very good. You just turn the bottle up. Well, that's not how you do that.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. If one spoonful is good, three is better. <laughs> right, better. I'm going to knock my cold out faster. But no. this is, this is no. human.
1: We are human. We want it faster. We want it faster and easier, and that's how we've survived this long. Yes. If we figure out a faster way, we're going to do it.
0: Yes, definitely. And
1: it's dangerous.
0: So let's kind of move to the next the next stage is is talking about mental health right so you you just brought up that mental health professionals are key in in providing these assessments there's a lot of co-occurring between substance and mental health yes Um, but there's also a lot of just primary mental health uh, out there and so when we talk about mental health disorders uh, or diagnoses Mm -hmm you know the American Psychiatric Association the definition was a wide range of conditions that affect mood thinking and behavior right. so e- even in their definition it, it uses the term wide range right yes. so yes. so from you being a licensed professional what you know what would we think about in, in regards to to helping define the terms um, maybe breaking it down a little bit when we talk about a mental health disorder
1: so it's wide range is used because literally the, the book sit, sitting in my lap right now, the non-recommended reading, like, just kidding. <laughs> it's so, it's, uh, it's got so much stuff in it. Um, literally everything you could think of. The caffeine intoxication is in the same book as, um, or, or, you know, uh, schizophrenia. It's in the same book. As PTSD, as, uh, you know, anxiety disorder, you know, <laughs> stimulant use that, disorder, right, right? right? It's in the same book. <laughs> so that's why it's it's defined as wide range. And so we get hung up on one is different than the other. We get hung up on, you know, recovery and relapse. We get hung up on words because we want to create a pattern of treatment in our brains, in our wonderful, beautiful human brains, we want to be separate. No one who has anxiety wants to be lumped into mental health that includes an alcoholic if they're not an alcoholic. <laughs> uh, right, we right. are not the same. Right. Well, it's in the same book. Well, also, you know, medicine, same thing. We all have codes. We all have stuff that we have to diagnose, right? So looking at certain terms... And we could start to break it down from there. It's in the same book, and then it just fans out like a tree from there. It's broken up into different sections. Substance use is a a a section, and then it just goes from there. It just completely moves forward. And so, you know, whenever we're dealing with different types, that's how it's broken down. Okay, we have personality, we have anxiety, we have trauma, we have depression, we have all of these different subsects, and you can call them chapters because that's what they are in the same book of how we treat and how we diagnose these things, but we use a lot of the same terms. We use criteria. Criteria is just symptoms. That's all. We're just trying to figure out what fits, and if we don't know what's going on with you we can't diagnose properly and we can't treat properly and that's just going to leave you in a loop of doing the same thing over and over again which is frustrating
0: yeah, and similar so similar to to like you bringing up the the idea of coffee mm-hmm. being in the same book that may talk about heroin mm-hmm. right? it,
1: it, yeah right? yeah it does right? yeah.
0: so in the same way with mental health i mean there are mm-hmm. things i think that we like you said we we kind of want to avoid certain Labels, maybe. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So so there are things that maybe some people may just not want to admit to anything. But then right. others may say, well, maybe I'll admit to struggling with some anxiety.
1: But not PTSD. But, right. But let's right. not
0: push it to a trauma or PTSD area. Right. right. I don't want to go. I don't want to define myself or, or be labeled to that extreme. Right. So let me just keep it here, right? It's mm-hmm. it's similar to the coffee, right? We have okay. our our mental health coffee diet. You know that we're willing <laughs> yes. we're willing to say I'm so glad I that's will, a standard right, movement. Now. I will take this diagnosis because it's a little more socially acceptable. norm or acceptable, mm-hmm. right? But it don't Don't put me over here. You know, and and by nature, humans, we we like to group ourselves. Yes. And it's like, well, I'm willing to be a part of this group. I'm not willing to be a part of that group.
1: Yes. We want our tribe and we want our tribe to be as acceptable as possible. And it's cool to drink coffee, but not to be (laughs) a coffee rager where I throw it when it's wrong. Right. (laughs) Right. We don't want to be that one. And it's
0: okay to have a little anxiety, right? Because you know what? We all face stress. Yes. But don't tell me that I have PTSD or or,
1: generalized anxiety or panic disorder. Right.
0: Panic disorder. Right. We
1: don't want no, we don't want no panic.
0: No, because I'm, I'm in control. I got this. I'm okay. I am in control of my anxiety. Right.
1: But I am so neurotic.
0: (laughs) The same way I'm in control of my nightly alcohol use. I am am in control of my anxiety. Like we constantly want to, to tell ourselves this lie that we've got it.
1: And that's the lie. That is the human lie. That is our ego lying to us. And this is our feeling and our thought of, okay, now we're shifting uh, uh, stigmas here, right? Okay, so we don't want to be weak right. or vulnerable. Absolutely not. Because not. humans don't want that. It is the perception in our tribe. We cannot be weak and vulnerable. And so this is where I have always gone to say vulnerability is strength. Being malleable is strength. We have to adapt. We have to move forward, and then understand. Okay, listen. I am feeling some kind of way right now. I'm anxious. I don't like this room. I I feel that maybe someone's gonna take something I have to say wrong. I feel ugly today. My face ain't right. Okay, whatever it is, <laughs> I it, you know. But that's these are real subconscious yeah, thoughts. Definitely. But if you don't move them to the forefront and address them. You're going to sit in it and not know what's going on and so that's why it's important to work with the team okay whoever that is therapist meeting group whatever psychiatrist and purge that stuff forward and so you can figure it out and go okay i'm feeling some kind of way right now and you can actually verbalize it say it and go hey i am i just need a minute and then that's where you can move forward right and so recovering relapse another great examples okay so recovery anybody can be in recovery for anything you can be in recovery for anxiety or uh eating disorders or ptsd any of that stuff that is a yeah. person actively working on themselves with structured settings
0: right again you know it goes back to terminology and us trying to like associate this term with that and this term with that yeah, I'm not but so recovery bad. really is about our progression out of something right. You right. Know, or you, through something.
1: Exactly. You're in recovery from surgery. Right. Right. But right. no, that's different. <laughs> nay, nay, that's different. Right. We can't yes. have the same thing. We can't have a moment in time after a panic attack, you are in recovery from a panic attack. Yeah. So that's automatically lumped in the substance use. Like, Oh, recovery is this. Right. And so, yeah, you know, it's the bigger overall picture, you know? And so relapse is used in the DSM, It is not just a substance use word. You can have a relapse of anxiety. You can have a relapse of depression. It's a resurgence of symptoms. Those are your symptoms coming back because something's going on.
0: So terms like relapse and recovery are are going back to the core issues. Those are words associated to the root, not to what we may call the symptoms, right? Relapse and recovery are not words associated with a certain substance or a certain mental health. It is... It is terminology that we use for the root issue of mm-hmm. there is a relapse with this aspect of mental health. There is a relapse with this aspect of substance use disorder. Exactly,
1: exactly. And, and looking at it from that perspective, understanding if we're going to go, you know, the substance use route, many will say, you know, relapse is a part of recovery because it doesn't necessarily mean that you're physically using the thoughts are there. Right. So the craving is there. Hey, guess what? Craving, what did we say earlier, is a symptom. Mm. That is a resurgence of symptoms. Right. So it doesn't necessarily all always mean going back out, you know, per se, or, um, you know, having um, a binge or something like that. It really can. This is totally going to probably make a sound, but I have to look this up. No worries. I know. Just going to let you know now. So while you're
0: looking that up, though, so just to, to kind of,
1: Make it sound sound. Talk
0: a little bit more about what you're just saying with relapse mm-hmm. and the initial mindset. You know, it's it's good because you're you're thinking that as you start to relapse in your mind and in your thought pattern, mm-hmm. right? That that yep that process of relapse has already begun. Right. The question is, how far will it go? Is it going to go right? Exactly. How far are you going to to delve into relapse? Mm-hmm. So we, with the proper tools, can and this this will. Will definitely be another episode where we dig into relapse prevention, right? For sure. Yeah. But but to just to address it real quick is is that we can we can utilize tools to cut relapse off before it becomes the full blown behavior in mm-hmm. our lives once again or yeah. takes us back to where we were or even worse than where we were before. We can we can stop it in our mind, yeah. right?
1: Yes, and through action. And you could do that through different therapeutic techniques and so we'll talk about that definitely later on down the road and so it's possible but we got to catch it you know we got to catch it and so really what we're talking about today is understanding these words and so if a family member hears um relapse like all of these different stigmatized words it's not the end of the world if someone comes and says i have a craving today doesn't mean you know necessarily you have to pack them up and ship them off it's a real conversation it's right. something that has to be said to assist that person in communicating and and preventing full blown use or or you know a depre- like something and so it's really a part of an action plan yeah you know and so that's the importance of these things and then identifying who you are as as you know the person diagnosed right and so acceptance is crucial in and in use of power language is crucial. So power language, what I mean by that is, is just identification of who you are. Here I am, I'm, I'm Dixie. This is my name. We're so cool at saying that, right? Right. You know, for, well, for the most part, but going back and saying, well, I am an alcoholic or I have PTSD or I'm a junkie or I'm an addict or I have an eating disorder, just saying that makes you want to rip your skin off to some degree. Right. Cause like,
0: well, because going back to words, words have power, but words also have stigmas. Right. So, and that's where we want to address terminology because we want to help people have a safer place to have conversations. Right. Mm -hmm. We want family members to understand terms better so that there's not like a freak out when you hear a term, when like you said, cravings, right? right. When a family member says, Hey, I'm kind of having a craving. Right. That does not mean that your family member has gone and full-blown relapse and you need to be calling treatment centers. That means they're reaching out saying, Hey, I'm struggling right now. I'm having this craving. And, and I need help, right? right? Like I need help right, to, right. to address this. So we need to understand terminology so we can better have these conversations. Um, but these words, some of them, you know, when I move into this, there's stigmas attached. And these stigmas to terminology can impact both the person struggling and their loved ones, fr- mm-hmm. friends and family, right? Because the the person, because of a stigma, may not want to open up about what they're struggling with because I don't want to be stigmatized as X, Y, Z. Right. The family member, because of stigmas that they have associated with these words, yeah. don't want to hear it <laughs> because they, ima- they immediately, their m- mind can go to this way crazy thing, maybe from some movie they've seen or what they think, think yeah. these things look like
1: well yeah because they don't know any different right yeah they don't know any different and 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 this happens too even after treatment the family member has been getting treatment for 30 days the family member hasn't the other ones left at home haven't so they, right. they, they should be they right, right. even <laughs> if they're going to therapy they're yeah. only going once or twice a week
0: yeah That's and there a, are a lot of resources and yeah, we'll definitely uh, again in future episodes we'll talk about family members and and how we can help them, but it, but it is true. They're not going through an, an intensive 30 day program. Right. The way the person who's struggling with whatever, whatever it is is, is yeah. going through. And, and a lot of times, even still, if that person say when they leave a program like ours, right. Uh-huh. And they're going into one-on-one therapy right. and maybe they're going to see a, an individual therapist weekly. Uh-huh. In a lot of cases, the family members aren't signing up for that same regimen. Right? Same
1: thing. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, that the person who is in intensive treatment, like a residential level, or they're living here, they're getting treatment all day, every day for the most part. Let's right. just put that in quotation marks. But the person that they left behind, their their wife, husband, son, daughter, mother, whomever, family, they're going and they're not moving at a fast rate like they the other is. And so, of course, they're going to be living off the old mentality because they don't know any different. And so... Right. That is where, you know, looking at these words and, and you know, well, if you loved us, you would stop. Okay. Right, right. Well, it is, this is a little do or do not. There is no try scenario. Human behavior doesn't work that way. Right. You know, there is a lot that goes into it. It is, you know, stop, we're, we're back to coffee. Stop drinking coffee. Okay. You're right. going to have a headache. You're going to feel cranky. You're going to be irritable for a week. Right. You're going to be incorrigible. Stop smoking. Right. I mean, you know, um, heaven forbid you met somebody on a juice cleanse. <laughs> you know, you never thought you missed chewing food Ooh. so much in my life. Yeah, been there. Right? But it's the same kind of mentality. Oh, just stop. Well, and I'm not knocking anybody who said that. That's a plea. Right. That's a plea. That is a, I love you. Why can't you? It, and, and it's taken wrong. Coming from the family perspective on that one, Right. Right, I love you so much. Why can't you? And it's, and it's a begging, pleading statement, but from the flip side of it, you know, we can look at, um, you know, depression or a, let's use anxiety as an example. We're not even going to go substance use route on that one. Why can't you just go to a restaurant with me? Right. Well, I, because I'm so anxious, I, I, I can't, Right. I can't. Well, Well, why, why can't you? Is it me? You see what I'm saying? Right. So it's the same mentality. I mean, even with depression, why can't, depression, why can't, why can't you, you just leave, pull
0: yourself out of that Why funk? can't you leave the house? Just get right. up. Yeah. Just get up and work out. Yeah. Okay,
1: yeah, okay, great. That's, you know, why didn't I think of not being sad? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you would have thought, <laughs> you know, that I should not be sad today. Right. No, just smile. You'll feel better. No. Why didn't I think of why that? Why didn't I think of that? Oh, man, so um, easy. So these, these statements aren't malintentioned. right. They're just under, uh, understanding and, and opening up the lines of communication and going back to stigma. What does it mean? Where is it coming from? I don't know what to say, so I'm going to say something else. Yeah. I'm going to say my feelings, but it's going to come out some kind of way, and you might take offense to that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so. and
0: there's there's so many stigmas that overlap between the two. I mean, you you know, the, the idea of a junkie or a party animal or – you know, that the person is unstable or weak, right? Yeah. You brought up that, you know, I don't want to be perceived as weak right. or, you know, someone who may have a mental health disorder may be viewed as being dramatic or oh, attention yeah. seeking. Attention right?
1: seeker. Oh, the drama that surrounds that one. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we're angry. Let's say angry too. Angry, oh, they're oh, angry all the time. Yeah.
0: yeah. What's your problem? Boy? Yeah. You why know, are you so mad? Short fuse. Yeah. And the thing is, is these stigmas, you know, the reason we want to address these is these stigmas put us in a position to be more judgmental mm-hmm. um, of ourselves Yes, if we're the person struggling with it, right? We we can become very hard on ourselves or judgmental of ourselves. Right. Um, but if we're the family member or the friend or the loved one or um, just the the person who's kind of around someone else who's struggling with us, it, creates a position for us to be very judgmental of them mm-hmm. instead of being understanding and un- and knowing that you know there is help out there. This right. person can receive help. And as soon as we can stop stigmatizing everything and start to understand it terminology better and understand what is out there to help people, mm-hmm. you know, then we can start to have conversations that actually bring healing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just thought of something too. It kind of goes back to, um, you know, the tongue in cheek catchphrases when we refer to the weather as being bipolar. Right. Or, you know, Oh no, I'm triggered. Okay. Really? <laughs> you know, right, like right, that's right. not what that means, but we, as humans, pick up on these things and and take them not thinking twice about it. And, you know, we can take the comedic standpoint on it and go, you know, hey, we could poke fun at ourselves all day long, but legitimately there's a time and a place. Like, I'm not in a stand-up setting, right? Right, right. You know, I'm not, I mean, the gallows humor is real, but saying certain things like, you know, oh, well, they're just a junkie or right. you know but you don't realize what you are literally talking about the soccer mom down the street and right. you have no idea what you're talking about
0: I think we we have become a society that easily becomes desensitized 100% right? so so when when we don't understand terminology and we use it flippantly mm-hmm. we become desensitized to it to and and, and then labels also it's a way where I don't have to connect to you. If I label you, yeah. I don't have to connect to you oh, as a yeah. human because now you're not what Dixie. you're not this human sitting across from you yeah. You're whatever I've labeled you as. Now yep. you're that.
1: So whose problem is that? If that were to like, right, yeah. right. And so this is taking a stance of lack of accountability on our parts, you know saying, well, if I'm gonna label we all do it, y'all. Yeah. We all have biases. We do. Yeah. Every single person on this planet does it. We all do. I I mean, I am in that boat as well. However, but it's it's a goal to check our biases and go, okay, where'd that come from? See, now we're back to the deep, the deeper issues here. Right, okay, And right. this is not just me being therapist lady. This is saying, okay, legitimately, where is this coming from? Is this coming from a root cause? Is this coming from a past trauma? Is this coming from me legitimately not feeling secure in, in my life or my relationships or where I'm living right now or my work or, or where I'm driving? Where is that coming from, okay? And working with that and saying it from a powerful stance and saying, this is who I am, this is what I struggle with. And let's just say if someone experiences a PTSD episode or a moment, coming back from it and going, yep, that happened, moving on. To me, and, and I tell all of my patients past and present this, okay, listen, that has so much more weight for the environment that you're in, for the people that you love and for yourself, then running from it and hiding from it. And so it's your job to tackle that because it's your stuff. Yeah. Right. And so moving forward from that, understanding how many people know, I've said this over and over and over, like over and over for every one person that comes and sits in my room or in my office, there's five more that'll never make it. And that is uh, because of ego or insurance or payment or mm. just can't do it. Can't bring themselves to do it. Yeah. And so it's it's just attraction. How in the world are you dealing with this? Well, this is how. Like, I got treatment. I went to therapy. I read a book. I, you know, listened to a podcast, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did something. But this is the reality of the situation. Of how many people are undiagnosed How many oh, yeah. people are struggling Because they don't know what to do They are lost and feel helpless In their houses And and don't know what to do with it I, I know something I feel something's wrong with me What is it Yeah. I don't want to be seen as crazy Or be shipped off to the loony bin I Hear that all the time Oh my mm. goodness You know attention seeking Oh they're just looking for attention No there's a real reason Now attention seeking can be a symptom Right of stuff but you can't get treated for it if we don't know what it is exactly so exactly
0: so yeah. this was good so thank you for listening you can connect with us on social media by going to instagram twitter or facebook and searching at the recovery mile we'll be dropping new episodes every monday and friday as well as bonus episodes throughout the month so be sure to subscribe so you get those notifications and share with your friends We'd also like to thank our sponsor, 12 Oaks Recovery, a member of the Acadia Healthcare Network. If you or someone you know is in need of help for substance use or mental health, you can reach out to 12 Oaks Recovery at 1-800-622-1255.
1: friends and family, thanks, everybody. Listen in next time as we uh, walk the recovery mile.